Hey everybody, what is up? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski and thank you for joining me. Hi, hope you guys are having a great weekend. Well, it's kind of just the start of the weekend, but Friday is part of the weekend, man. So anyway, I hope it's going great. Um, I'm glad to be bringing you guys another episode. This one is with Brad McCurley. I cannot wait to get into it. It's, it was uh, it was great to sit down and talk to him. Uh, this is another one of those interviews where I wasn't, uh, I, or, you know, I, I wasn't too familiar with uh, him personally, so I kind of got to know him a little bit during the interview. It was it was really cool. I had a really good time. Uh, but before we get into it, I would like to thank our sponsors, Doctor Paintball. And if you head over to drpaintball.com, they are actually having a uh, a giveaway, and the grand prize is a camouflage die m2 and uh, you can find all the details is right when you type in drpaintball.com goes to the website little window pops up um, they're having a giveaway and if you click on the website it will direct click on the window it'll direct you to where you can go to register to win that thing uh, but and 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 after you do that you can also go to the about me you can check out their blog uh, they also have all kinds of uh, used gear on the website that you can browse through as well as new gear that is coming out and uh, that is already out as well and uh, and you can finance it all so they are here to help you guys find everything that you need over at drpaintball.com so thank you for sponsoring this podcast we are also brought to you by carbon paintball they are coming out with a CC line. So we have a SC line out right now, the high-end stuff. Uh, you saw the pack, the pants, everything that's out. We are having a CC line. It's uh, it's just kind of a sister line to this one. Um, it's not as fancy. It's just as durable. Um, still looks good. Multiple colors available in the pack. Um, there's going to be pants coming out. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. So make sure you check it out over at carbonpaintball.com. And if you Type in capital T P O P at checkout. I'm spitting all over the place. Whatever I say, <laughs> uh, capital T P O P at checkout. You will get 10% off your entire order. Sweet beans. So uh, head over to carbonpayball.com to check out all the goodies. Uh, we are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball. He makes some sick headbands. Uh, I love the fabric. Uh, I love the all the materials that he's using. Uh, he uses all kinds of military fabrics, uh, some high-end like Gucci. I'm sure he's gonna find some Louis Vuitton, all the fancy dancy stuff that's out there. Uh, he finds all the headbands are in ten runs or less, so they're all pretty much custom. Um, he makes some pro headbands. This one doesn't have the pro patch, but this is uh, this is one of them. Uh, this is the little Charm City tag that he has, but he'll help you out. If you want something custom, just give him a call um, or actually write him up. He's over on Facebook, Charm City Paintball, uh, and uh, a buddy of mine just got a uh, – it's a black head wrap with black Gucci um, straps, and it's a tie back. It's, it's pretty neat. So uh, make sure you give him a look over at Charm City Paintball on Facebook. And uh, we are lastly brought to you by – Planet Eclipse, the makers of the best damn paintball marker on the planet, which is the LVR because I shoot the LVR and it's awesome. It is so awesome. Um, they also have a CS 1.5, one of the, the newer geos that is out. And, uh, you know, looking back, 
dude, every one of the markers has just been such an improvement from from the previous year. It's crazy. Just the the dips that they do, the the colors, the the design itself, and the innovation is uh, is crazy. So uh, I'm sure you guys know them, but uh, Planet Eclipse. Dot com. Make sure you head over there and you can find all of Planet's goodies, pants, you know, gloves, pads, all kinds of stuff at planeteclipse.com. So thank you to all of our sponsors. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. I really appreciate Brad sitting down with me and, uh, and having this little uh, chit chat. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it too. We'll see you. Brad, what is up, man? Same stuff, different day, man. You know how it goes. Uh, I hear you, dude. It's uh, it's been quite a journey for you this year, huh? Yeah, yeah, totally new, uh, new squad, new environment, new living environment. Yeah, big changes all over across the board. <laughs> well, weren't you living in Chicago? Was it? Well, in Chicago it? originally, um, and then. I went from there with Damien down to Arkansas to work for Key, spent about four years there, and now relocated for GI down to Fort Lauderdale. Oh, really? Yeah. Like fresh down in Fort Lauderdale? Just new? As of February, so fairly fresh still, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was like literally right in the middle of, of all of that, in the middle of the team move was full life move really down, down to Fort Lauderdale, but we're loving it here. Weather's beautiful. There's no winter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're like me. I like my seasons, though. I like my my leaves Dude. changing and yeah. Rosie and I were literally just talking about that. She's like, "You think the leaves are going to change at all here?" I was like, "Definitely not." <laughs> them them palm ocean. leaves don't change. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we yeah. miss it. Yeah, well, it's cool though. It's um, that's one thing I don't like about Florida. I love the sunshine and everything, but I hate when you step outside and you just you walk and you start sweating instantly. Instantly sweating, yeah. Definitely taking getting used to. I really didn't think I would adjust to it, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, you know, you'll get used to it. You'll get used to it." And I was like, "I don't know. I sweat really easily." And yeah. I'm finally starting to be like, "All right, maybe I, I think I am getting starting to get it used to it a little bit at least." But it's still miserable. I mean, it's <laughs> later in the day. It's 95 and 100% humidity. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, dude. Let's uh, let's kind of start back. Where uh, where you first started PayPal and you first discovered it and um, you know how that all came about and uh, but first off you are from Chicago originally yep. Northwest suburbs yep and um, when you were playing like high school or when you were younger were you into um, the athletics and the sports and all that and and uh, tell us kind of a little bit uh, about the younger Brad yeah I played a little bit of everything growing up um, my primary sport was soccer um, I turned down some scholarship opportunities to continue pursuing paintball. Um, really? In soccer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a couple of different uh, smaller D2 schools. Both of my siblings actually are now playing D1 soccer. Really? Uh, yeah, my, my brother most recently um, just shipped off to Wake Forest. They're actually seated number two going into the season. Oh, jeez. And uh, he was a top 10 recruit out of the Midwest, so props to him. He's actually That's looking sick. like he's going to get a starting nod as a freshman, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, and my sister's playing at the University of Ohio, so both playing D1 soccer. Um, 
I had that not the same opportunity, but could have pursued that same path anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it just became kind of like a job to me too much. Um, I wasn't having as much fun as I was playing paintball. So I was on an aftershock at the time that I was going away to college and it was time to make the decision. So I chose paintball. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what was your, what was your first team? Like, how did you discover paintball? Like you were playing soccer at the time and how did yeah. it come about? Yeah, I was playing soccer at the time. Um, I think it was, it's similar to most people's stories. Somebody's birthday party, we went and... Another birthday party. I, I really know. have to start making notches on how many birthday parties there are. I'm sure birthday <laughs> parties has got to be number one. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it was a birthday party. I, I was a late bloomer. I didn't... I think it was 15 or so that I first like picked up a paintball gun and, and was it just like a birthday party kind of situation and did that right. once or twice and had a lot of fun with it. Um, and one of my buddies in the neighborhood that I grew up with and uh, went to school with and played soccer with, his older brother was into paintball. So we were like, all right, let's, let's check it out. We all, we all got our own guns. Um, went out to um, Fox Paintball was, I think, the first field that I played at in, in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just kind of shot the shit and had a really good time with it. And we we're like, man, we're actually kind of good at this. <laughs> and we played like some three-man tournament and won um, – and then dude named Happy, who was coaching Distortion for a little while, um, he hit me up and was like, hey, man, like, we play these tournaments. Like, you're, you're pretty decent at it. Like, you want to come out? And I was like, sure. Like, I didn't really know much about it. So you got in the uh, tournament scene, like, fairly quickly when you first started playing? Yeah, I was only – my first national tournament was LA07, and that was really? in, in Division Three. There's a team called Aerospark. Dude, all you kids are making me feel so old. <laughs> God, 07, man. Were you on Excessive at the time? 07, I was Avalanche. Avalanche, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my first tournament. <clears throat> I played, I think it was three events that year in Division Three, um, And that team was playing out of the Badlands. So, that's when I first like got introduced to the Badlands out there and, and got to see Aftershock and the whole grind and everything. Now that's like uh, a little bit later aftershock, like kind of a like a newer generation it was aftershock. Like a transition stage. It was like right when like Yaya and Cody were just getting on the team. Um, so that that was yeah, two thousand seven. And I played the beginning of two thousand eight with Shock Kids in D two. Hmm. So after playing three division three division three tournaments, um, and playing out of the Badlands and stuff, they saw me and, and picked me up for the Division Two Shockheads team. And, and that's I when you started traveling, like traveling to play paintball and everything was with the yeah, Shockheads. Well, well, with Aerospark, we played, we played LA, we played Chicago, and we played Cup. So we played three events. Um, so I had three like actual national event experiences um, going into my second year with with Shockheads in D two. Played the first two events of the year and then got asked to come play for aftershock nice but that was also kind of a weird situation though because it was the same year that joy division gave their mppl spot to shock but ren didn't want so much to do with the guys playing seven man he was kind of just oh you guys do your own thing with that he didn't Mm -hmm. really care um he supported the psp so he had more to do with that um so psalm psalm wasn't wasn't the coach of the team for seven man it was kind of just all the guys doing their thing. Yeah. So the guys actually saw me and asked me to play for the team before Ren and Psalm did. So I went and played Buffalo 2008. Yeah. Seven I mean, yeah. 
that was my first pro tournament. So I played with them in seven man before I was asked to then go to that. There was like a private tryout for, for the X-Ball team. Um, and that was before the Northeast Open. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it was like probably like 25 people at that tryout. And that's when myself and Law had made the team. Mm. I remember that kid. I know that little guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you, uh, what do you prefer? Do you prefer seven man or X ball? I guess you don't I have like, a choice now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I I always like seven man because I always enjoy being more creative. I like the bigger fields and being able to make those dynamic moves. I'm sure you oh, did as well. I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that's where it came. Fun. That's where it came from. Those moves. It was kind of like a, a, a newer because I was I was never able to play ten man, so that was like my ten man, and it right. had same format. Yeah, I love. It it. I miss it. Me too. I wish there was a way we could. I mean, they kind of did at the end where they they had the like best of three or whatever, so it was somewhat similar to X ball in a sense, but it was still like the split deck and everything, but still. See, I never got to play that one because I. You, you weren't in that time, huh? No, no, because I the um, the end of two thousand nine is when I stepped away. And That's I think, right. I think that was when um, the seven man was slowing down, and then they started doing that best mm-hmm. of three thing, and it sucked. Man, I, I I wanted to see and play seven man more, and it it sucked. It had to go away. Yeah, I agree. Do you think there'll be another two leagues again? I don't. Uh, I think some people will push for it just because of the money in it that they could mm-hmm. potentially make. But I don't think it's good for the sport. I think we need to focus on honing in on one focal point. It's already difficult enough as it is for outside people to to grasp what we're doing out there. Um, so I think the more leagues that we have, the more formats we have, the more confusing it is, and the harder it is for us to move forward as far as outside sponsors or the future of getting us on TV if that is still in everybody else's goals. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So almost as like a selling point, you, you think mm-hmm. keeping a, a simple format. Well, do you think it's the Expo format or do you think it is some kind of like seven-man time points format kind of a thing? You know, uh, we started just spitballing this idea around the office um, with with what we they think uh, the direction that paintball needs to go. And I don't know if it's necessarily um, what we do, like, Obviously, we're we're really good at what we do, but as far as being able to watch it and everything, it, it, for people that don't know paintball, they just see figures standing behind bunkers. They don't see that we're controlling zones and holding people out from getting to the snake. They don't they don't understand these kind of things. Like the logistics do. that we're right, right. behind, yeah. For somebody that hasn't seen it before, they walk up and they just see people standing. Like, what's what's so exciting about this? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They, they don't they don't grasp the full concept, so. I feel like we need to do something that is more entertaining for the viewer, and maybe that's not speedball at all. Maybe it's some kind of cross between paintball and a survival game, like maybe some kind of Hunger Games situation. Mm-hmm. It's more enticing. It's like a game of survival um, where it's a lot easier of a concept to grasp because it's you need to survive versus, oh, well, if there's five guys over here. they got to shoot them, then they got to hit this button, and then that gives them a point. It's a yeah. lot to do for somebody that's not into it. So See, I don't that, know. That's the tough part because we're like we're trying to make the sport as structured as possible, so mm-hmm. it can be easily. It, it's almost more complicated as it is, but we're trying to simplify it to make it into that that digestible sport 
feel, mm-hmm. you know, but it, there's so many there's so many small little variables that go into it. Like football, hockey, anything. Just think of hockey. You put the puck in the net, right? There's plays around it. There's it's fucking simple. Football. Mm-hmm. Get this full. Fo- I mean, I still don't understand like the points and everything in football. Like six. And th- like I understand it, but like who was like? I think we should make it six, six for a touchdown. <laughs> it's like okay, whatever. But um, but it's simple and it's easy to follow. And I think we're trying to do that, but there there's so many little things that need to happen in a game or that do happen inside of that paintball match mm-hmm. that you just don't understand right away. And I was kind of thinking about this too of having like a booth at uh, an NXL event or something like that and having it say uh, tournament paintball 101 or, or paintball tournament paintball explained or something like that and have a booth dedicated to the parents, the wives, the the brothers, sisters, whatever, or walk-ons or walk-ins. What is this kind of booth? <laughs> and exactly, and what the, and then shoot, you know, take a week and take somebody like Maddie to narrate it, or you know, and a couple different teams, even a guy from each team, just doing kind of like the Dynasty dissected, but not necessarily teaching the game, but showing what is happening and why somebody is doing something. But make right. it really short and easy to understand, and I don't know uh, if that like would be a good idea. Like a silly like whiteboard thing where it's like, oh, similar to football, where it's like, all right, your quarterback and your wide receiver and your mm-hmm. running back, and it's like, all right, these are your front players. They want to get here, right. shoot this way, and eliminate these guys. These guys are here, controlling zones, helping these guys get there. Yeah, something simple. Exactly. Yeah. Just make it a video and be like, this guy, if you see a guy doing this on the field, it's because he's doing this, and it's because of this, and because of this, and that way. Because we're trying to we're trying to cut that split that hair of having somebody who has never played the sport understand it, but then have us try who has played it forever trying to explain it as dumbed down as possible to that person. So we have to find that fine gray area to where While they can still being fun and competitive for us to play. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that's I don't know. It, there's so many different things that we can try and think about that we're going to obviously do and then fail at and then have good things come out of it. But there's, we, we just don't know until we try it. Mm-hmm. Great. So where that was tangent number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of many, I'm sure we were, let's see, we were just at, you were joined aftershock for Buffalo of 2007, seven man. Yep. How'd you guys Played do? Um, not so hot. I don't think we made Sunday, but I think we were right on the cusp. Um, but that was a big wake-up call for me because, I mean, I was nervous as shit, obviously, my first pro tournament, and I hadn't really had much experience. I mean, three events in D3, two in D2, and then here I was. It was just like, yeah, that's shit. Yeah, right. It was like all of a sudden the guys that I'm watching on videos I'm standing next to and shooting at and getting shot by, I was like, Ooh, this is fucking cool. <laughs> it's such it's such a weird feeling, dude. I remember it. I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, I forget. Well, of course, and then I say I forget, but it, I forget what tournament it was. But I remember walking to the field, knowing that I'm going to be playing these guys, and then like scouting them and watching them, and just this. It's such a. I wish I had that feeling every time. Like, but obviously now we know those guys and we're friends with everybody. Right. Uh, and now you are one of those guys to the new guys that are coming out playing. But uh, you have to hold on to shit like that. I feel like that keeps you grounded as as a player. 
Yeah, you definitely got to remember your roots and where you came from and, and always give back the same way that those guys gave to you. You know what I mean? The same way that those guys gave me the opportunity. Because like I said, it wasn't rent. It wasn't Psalm immediately. I mean, it was after the guys were like, yo, check this dude out. After like, they were you know convinced. I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's on us now to give the younger group the same opportunities that we had. Yeah. Yeah. So was it just Happy who wanted to pick you up or who else was on the team besides Lawhead at the time? Well, Happy was Happy was the dude from Aerospark, and he he coached oh, Distortion. Right, yeah. This past, I think it was this past year, he coached Distortion. Um, so that was the D three team, and then um, it had to have been Psalm for to put me on the D two team because he was running the whole program. Um, Did you know anybody else like personally on the team, or is this your your first introduction onto into the guys that I, you know? I mean, I just knew kind of the Chicago paintball scene a little bit just from playing with Aerospark for that year and just kind of being around the Badlands and seeing the different teams because mm-hmm. uh, it was like Shot Kids and Shy town Raiders were still around so like Stapula from um, TMG now yeah. like I played him on Shot Kids in D2 um, but yeah it was just that whole that whole Chicago paintball scene um, that I was just kind of around and then got thrown right into the mix but it was cool that it was the guys from the team that became my peers mm-hmm. that were the ones that were like, yo, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, growing up in Chicago and playing in Chicago, was Aftershock the your team that you looked up to and the guys that you looked up to? Yeah, I, I think I – my mom probably still has it, but I did a project like in middle school or something like that <laughs> about nice. Chicago Aftershock. It was really funny. Yeah. Who's your yeah, favorite the, player? Probably Darcy. Just because he oh, always yeah, put- yeah. <laughs> I remember Darcy. Yeah, you don't really hear his name very much. No, not much anymore. He's just up in Canada hunting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's a lot of aftershock guys that are doing that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, so you get on uh, – let's go back to where we were. You get on aftershock, play seven man. Um, you guys almost make the cut to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was – was that the like a mid-season? Um, yeah, that was probably – the second half, the beginning of the second half of the season, because the next event was the Northeast Open at Phillies Field, yeah. and that was the first event that Lawhead and I got on the team for the X Ball team. And you and that was yeah yeah and all those guys, mm-hmm. Floyd, um, LP, Sloviak, Cody, yeah yeah, most. Um, Matthews? Was Nick Matthews no, on the team? Nick was not on the team. Not at the time that I got on the team anyway. I feel like was he left it, the year before or earlier that season. So was it just Psalm? Bruno wasn't around? Anything like that? No, Bruno yet. Bruno didn't come around till 2011. So this was still 2008. Oh, okay. Uh, how'd you guys do that event? Um, again, just missed the cut, but we came out and gave Infamous a game. That was like the first pro expo match I'd ever had. So that was, again, another wake-up call. Like, shit, all right, I can play with these guys. Mm-hmm. That was also my first experience shooting the all Gator Black Ultra Evil. <laughs> I remember that, that shit. Oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see what I'm shooting at, but can they? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Speaking of now that we're on that subject, um, what do you think it is for paint companies? Uh, and I think this kind of goes along with uh, spectator-friendly kind of thing i mean do you think mm-hmm. we should trans you know transfer over to like bright shell 
and some kind of bright. Uh, I mean, the yellow is pretty bright, but as far as the the, the outer shell, I, I think it should. Be, I think it should be bright anyway. Yeah, they've actually tried to implement that rule in the NXL already, and they've had trouble getting all the vendors to get behind it. Um, we've had bright shell um, for quite some time now, with the Ultra Evil being the bright red, mm-hmm. um, and then our Evil, or I'm sorry, the the five star being either the lighter purple or um, the green. Mm-hmm. So I think they want everybody to go to like a, a light lime green shell, which would definitely be the easiest to see for the spectators, but. It, it does most definitely, you, you know for sure, that it affects the game at the pro level for sure. Right. By being, us being able to see lanes, like it's way different with that dark color shell for sure, which is why the vendors have tried to get away with doing that for a while now. I mean, do you think that it would be, do you think it'd be a positive jump or do you think it would change the game enough to where it wouldn't be the same? If we're doing, if we're going to do that, I think we need to do a full switch. So we would need to, and it would be expensive because it would end up being like more of a traveling road show. We would have to have like a dark colored turf, use darker colored bunkers, which would be hotter than hell, but it would allow people to see all the lanes and that would allow people to understand what it is that we're doing by just walking up and looking at it. You'd see just, it'd be like the, uh, remember the old, uh, the all-star or the marvelizer that was just that neon, neon, like yellow, yeah. like high color basically that yeah. you would just streams go through the air especially when you're playing seven man you're shooting 15 balls a second. <laughs> yeah yeah if we did something like that with like a neon colored shell and darker bunkers and darker turf something like that that would allow you to see all the lanes and everything better for the spectator at least it could also be cool to have viewing from above i think that would help yeah yeah that would be cool i i don't know see i i don't know if you would need darker bunkers or darker turf because i think that shell I remember there a video came out. I think at the beginning of maybe the beginning of this year, or maybe it was, it was last year, and it was a it was a small short video of like the yellow paint being shot. And uh, <laughs> oh, dude, it was it was awesome. I was like, this is actually pretty cool. Like I've played I played against Dark Shell, and I I feel like I've honestly gotten more pissed at playing at, against somebody with darker shell than I would with a brighter shell because it's those yeah. ones where you kind of just head check and you're like, well, okay, well I didn't even see the lane and. Mm-hmm. You know, but now you can actually kind of judge a little bit more with that, with that yellow. That's an awesome brass knuckles cup you have there. Yeah, that's sweet. Awesome coffee mug. Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stole this one from my wife. It's uh, roses. Keeps me grounded while I do the podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's um, that's. I was always wondering that. I wonder if we're gonna come to like a. Uh, because right now we have a, a uniform fill, right? Everybody's sh- shooting the same fill. And my next question was, where is the shell going to go? If it's going to go I the same. I think do a neon shell and bring back the orange fill. I agree. Orange fill's great. You can't cheat with that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Well, and there's nobody out there with orange anything that right. I can think of. Right. Or it could be you That's... guys. You guys have different jerseys every event, so you never know. Yeah, I guess we did wear orange last time, but... There's people that have, I mean, we could easily make orange protected color as opposed to yellow, but I guess you'd then have the issue of that orange is such a nasty fill in such an awesome way for us, but (laughs) such a bad way for the venue that we're renting it out from. (laughs) Yeah, there is that. I wonder if they did that, yeah, for it's like the yellow is easier to be washed away through the grass. 
Yeah, the yellow fades into the green easy, so that's that's why we do yellow. It allows us to go back to the venues that aren't paintball fields, like especially that one in Vegas. Like that's a really expensive venue to be at. Mm-hmm. If you used anything other than yellow, there's no way we'd be allowed there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, speaking of you working in the company, like how did that come about? Um, it was I kind of just took a chance. I was kind of just in limbo. I had been, I'd finished like two and a half years of college at Illinois State, and my, I was playing for Aftershock at the time. My teachers were flunking me because I'd be, I'd be missing classes for tournaments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, it's not school sanctioned. Like, I just, I don't have time. I could play for the school, but yeah. I'm, I'm doing is above like what the school team is. Like the school team's begging me to play, but I just can't do it because I don't have time. Oh, so they did have a team? Yeah, Illinois State did. Have, probably still does have a team. Um, but yeah, they asked me to play. I just couldn't do it. Um, it was already tough enough with my school load and then playing for Aftershock and then having mm-hmm. to drive back to practice and everything. So it was already a pain in the ass as it was. But I tried to explain to them, like, this would be like Derek Rose coming down when he played for the Bulls at the time. Him coming down trying to take classes and you'd be like, hey, sorry, man. Can't go to New York tonight to play your game. we got a test. Like, yeah, come on. And I'd be like, I'd take it before. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And there's, sorry, not school sanctioned. So... I flushed a ton of money down the toilet like that and was like, I can't do this anymore, but I don't want to stop playing paintball. So right. I'll pursue paintball further, like kind of go all in with it. Um, Damien had just, him and I were playing for Infamous now at this time. Um, and he got a job offer to go down and work out of the Bentonville, Arkansas office to work for Key and was like, I'm going to do it with or without you, but it'd be sweet for somebody to go with. You're not really doing anything right now. You're just kind of hanging out at school partying. Right. Uh, you're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I went with him. Um, didn't have a job at first and just kind of went in and was like, you know, I want to pursue this. Let me see what I can do. Like, let me show you what I can do. And they gave me like an hourly bullshit position. I'm just cold calling Walmarts and shit. <laughs> right, right. Um, but then created the whole sponsorship program thing and created a position for myself because I found something that the company lacked and there was a way to tap into some sales there that weren't already being previously tapped into. But it was also a way that you could that we could help the player as well, make it more affordable for them mm. uh, so they can do it more consistently. So it was kind of a win-win for everybody. Um, so I developed the all-in program and that's taken off big time for, for Empire. Um, GI saw how successful that was. They developed the Imperial program, which is basically mirrored the same thing. And now that's kind of what the current model of sponsorships is based off of for virtually all companies now. Right. So that I did really well with. Um, and now I've transitioned to that from that to do managing that worldwide for both Empire and GI to doing traditional sales as well to our domestic customers. So Nice. I have a busy work week. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it. No, that's cool. And I, I've, you know, I, I thought you had something to do with that all-in program. It mm-hmm. seems like you have everything to do with that all-in program. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's cool because you know, uh, you know, all paintball players, as you know, are looking for some kind of, you know, handout, some kind of gimme. And now, you know, with this program, I don't know too much about it, but I know that um, that it's it helps out a lot of teams and. Uh, it's really good for the sport for sure. Yeah, it's a good way for us to to offer them, you know, a deal on stuff to get them in the door to help them with, and then be able to help them with their residual costs in the paint at the national events. You know, that 
again, is their biggest residual cost day in and day out. Yeah. So to be able to give them the support that they need for them to be able to play more, um, but also for us to be able to get our product into people's hands, like I said, it's a win-win. Yeah, yeah. Now, you said that you were playing for Aftershock and then you played for Infamous. So let's go... Let's kind of go back to that. What was yeah. uh, what what went down? What was the whole? Because I remember, you know, I hear the story from Sos and you know from all those guys, and this was kind of a mid-season jump too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, so I guess going back after 2008, AfterShock no longer played Seven Man, so we, it was just the X Ball team. So. I went and jumped on with Damien. That was the first time him and I got connected with Chicago Legend. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember those guys. Dennis Olson, um, awesome dude. Still love the guy. Um, he's still doing well. He's just not involved in paintball anymore. Yeah. Uh, a good, good group of just homegrown Midwest dudes that had no egos or anything. Just went out there and had fun. It was always the same group of guys. There weren't really like any outside guys mm-hmm. that came in. Um, we're all from around the Chicago land and Iowa area. So we played, I jumped on with them for seven man. So I played with Damien and seven man and then for aftershock and X ball. And that's how it was for 2009 and 2010. Um, kind of mediocre so, seasons. Those two. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely nothing stellar for sure. Um, until 2011 when we were doing the same thing, playing on those two teams and Damien came back to Aftershock because he had taken some time off to play college soccer. Um, So this is when I guess he had left legend for a little bit and left playing X ball altogether for a little while to pursue that. Um, And he came back for the Northeast open in 2011, which was up at Top Gun and he came back to, to Aftershock and that was the same event that Bruno first came back to coach as well. Mm-hmm. And we crushed it. We came out, we beat the Russians, we beat Infamous, and we beat uh, Damage and lost Impact. So we went 3-1 and one and didn't go on. And this was the first time that that three-way tie rule had ever struck somebody? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't the know first if you know, of many. they're changing or they have changed that for this next event. Really? Yeah, I got word from Chosen about that because we obviously got fucked by that this last one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I heard about that. So what what are the details on that? So it sounds like from what I've heard anyway, they're gonna it'll go if it's a three way tie, they'll take the again, so they have to go to head to head. I guess there's some in some crazy situation there could be three teams tied, but somebody beat somebody head to head. Well that it wasn't everybody beat everybody, right? Because sure. three way tie, everybody should have beaten everybody. Right, like in the last case, for example, we beat Impact, Impact beat Dynasty, Dynasty beat us. Right, mm-hmm. so everybody beats everybody. They go to point margin. So Impact had the best point margin. They pull them out, and for whatever odd reason, I always thought it was really dumb, but they revert back to head to head when everybody beat everybody. It makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. So that's how we got knocked out of the tournament. That's how we got knocked out back in 2011 as AfterShock as well, and that was the first time that that rule had been discovered. Like, I guess the flaw in that rule had been exposed. Yeah. Um, so now, when it's a three-way tie, they'll look at the head-to-head, 
more that'd be a super rare case that that decided anything. So it'll go to the, the three-way tie to the point margin, and it'll only be the point margin in in those three games. So in which everybody played each other, and mm-hmm. they'll just pull the top two out. Okay. Well, that makes which sense. Which is what it should be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Looking for the best two teams out of the three. Everybody beat everybody. Take the point margins from those games, and you have the top two teams. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. They finally decided to do it. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. So hats off to them for finally realizing that it was flawed and they're, they're left a lot of room to exploit it. Like we could have thrown the game mm-hmm. against Dynasty and gone on and knocked Impact out. But how shitty would that have looked for the league, you know? And paintball in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you guys as a team. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of respect that goes into a team that just steps up and and plays. Especially a team like it's a pretty like good group of of dudes that are all pretty straight shooters. Not like you know, not known for being badasses of the league or anything like that. They're just good group of kids. So it it would hurt their integrity for sure. Um, so that was never it never even crossed our minds really yeah. to throw that game, especially after beating Impact the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Go out there and win. Yeah, there's be no reason. I'd rather I'd rather go out there and play my ass off and try and go four and than right. than anything else. We end up losing by a point. It's like ugh. <laughs> Believe me, I know that feeling. Last event we lost by one point and two we lost two overtimes. And uh, see and and that, there's that too. It's like our our uh, our scores was uh, we were, we went one and three when we could have easily went three and one. If we yeah. would have just won those, you know, so, and then everybody's, uh, you know, shitting on us, just going, well, you know, shocks nothing. They went, they went one and three, this and that. I got to like, tell my boy Nicholas that I'll have to call him back. Hey, I just <laughs> he did a podcast with him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, um, you know, it just, it just like that, we could have been three and one and right. possibly playing on Sunday hopefully more than likely playing on Sunday, depending on situation. Yeah, for sure would have been playing on Sunday. Yeah, it's just, it sucks. Because, I mean, we have a lot of potential, too. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's just that, just that little bit, man. Just that little bit, and I feel like we can be competitive. And, um, you know, I think about it, too. Like, how was how was Bruno coaching when he first came back? Did Was he, I don't want to say crazy or anything like that. Like, was his coaching style pretty straightforward when he came back, or has he just always kind of been who he was? No, he's always been Bruno. He was always just super fiery. Not again, like you said, not crazy, but just very passionate in what he's doing. Yeah, and, and definitely cared a lot. Especially that being his first event back, like you could tell how much he genuinely cared and wanted to win, and how happy he was to see us go three and one in the prelims. Yeah. Like for aftershock, that's. You know as well as I do, that doesn't happen that often for Shock to go three and one in, in the prelims and beat the teams that we beat, like Russians, Infamous, Impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. Solid damage, solid teams. So we were amped and obviously it didn't go the way we wanted. And in typical Bruno fashion, it blew up in flames. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what? I mean, what was the missing ingredient through those years, through that 2009, 10, 11? What was the missing ingredient on that team? Honestly, it, it was probably just it took time for us all to come together. Like it, it, we had this, I guess, the same core group of guys, but guys kept getting shifted around. Like we had the Philly guys come in for the one year, like Tim and Sam and um, Pat came over for a little bit. Um, Son Debilis was over for for an event, so it, 
we had the core group of guys, but our core group of guys were super young. Like the guys that were there were there were me. Like I just got on the team. You know what I mean? I, I was still coming into what I was as a player in the pro division. So it, it's hard to, to ride players like that and at the top level, you know what I mean? So yeah. it took us time and then it all kind of started coming together in, in 2011. Um, so we went three and one there with Chicago legend. Then we won in DC. Um, and well, I guess it, it all, I'm sorry. It all came together at the end of 2010 because the end of 2010 was when we got blown out by the Russians at World Cup, but we made the finals. That's right. That's right. How did, so how that, did you guys get to that point? Well, I mean, was it convincing getting to that point, or was it pretty close games? It was, it was, it was close games the whole way that, that were hard fought, but it was done with that same group of guys. Like, I was out there almost every point, like myself, Nick, Cody, um, I think Tim was, Tim was still out there, Sam. That was like our, pretty much our go-to guys, um, Lawhead. Like we we were just rolling, rolling the same dudes. And honestly, we we were such a young team. We we kind of found something that worked for us and just kept rolling with it. And it, and it just took us all the way to the finals. And then we came up against the Russians, and they're the best scouting team in paintball. So they right. just saw what we were doing. And I've never got decimated as bad as that on the break. Like they shot two to three of us on the break almost every single point. It was embarrassing. Did you guys play Zero. them in the prelims at all? No. No. That's, <laughs> it was that's ridiculous. Insane. And you guys were probably on a, you know, on a high at least getting yeah. getting to finals is is one right. thing. Um and you know, I've been there in 10 plus years like Yeah. You just deal. And then we just got steamrolled. It's like what just happened like in the blink of an eye it's 0 to 7 it's over. It's like, what they just were, happened? They were just doing everything right. Um, yeah. From from what I've when I heard and just the footage that I saw, it was just kind of they're just doing everything right. It was at the event that Sos threw his gun and everything. Yep, mm-hmm. that's what I think. Yeah, Sos is one of the main core guys. Sorry, I left him out, but yeah, that it was super frustrating. It was one of those games that you just take a step off the box. He's like, oh. yeah, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, dude. And not just one time, it was just like over and over and over. And then you get past that first lane, and you're like, sweet, I'm going to make it out. Second lane. Like, yeah. Oh, my God, man. These guys are on point. <laughs> Dude, I've never really had, for for all the teams that I played for, I've never really had a solid game or, or even a solid win against the Russians. They've For some reason, they've always had something over me. I don't know what the hell it is. And that's why the, um, the West Coast Open, I think it was 2003, 14 13 or 14 whatever it was and it was when uh we were playing the tauntauns as aftershock and it was the whole challenger bracket yeah, thing yeah. and uh we played them to move on to play in for first or second in the challengers and like i just took that as like we were playing the russians and mm-hmm. because it, i think some of those yeah those guys play for the russians now too yeah tava and um it's a very slow Frenchie. Uh, got in. So Axel, yeah, they both play with them. Yeah. So that's. I, I don't know what they're doing over there, but uh, all the Euro- European teams now coming over have just. I'm, well, I know what they're doing. They're fucking. They're playing all the time, and they're together, and they're just grinding it out. And dude, the European teams are just no, no, no joke. joke anymore. No joke. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Uh, I mean, 
I first went to Europe in 2012 to play the Millennium and to see what it was then compared to what it is now was even night and day. Mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, when I talk to, to you guys, my peers that have played long before me, I, I can't even imagine. Not that long. Dude, don't make me feel so old. It's not that long. It's a, li- <laughs> a couple of years. We'll take a couple, a couple of years. years. Yeah. But how fast they progressed is, is impressive. And honestly, as of late, I think a lot of it may have to do, I don't necessarily like the format, but the M500 format, because of the, the limited paintballs, they have to work on their gun skills. Mm-hmm. They have to have that snapshot on point. They have to hit their shots on the break because if they're going to shoot that many paintballs, you better not miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was going to be my uh, my next question was, um, you've played M500, uh, uh, so what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it's going to integrate into the NXL? I don't think so. Um, I don't think it'll transition. I, I think people, paintball is successful by accident because people like to shoot guns. That's why paintball exists. I think if you limit that, that's only going to hurt us, at least to that extent. I think if you're, there might be a happy medium, like, I don't know, maybe call it three, maybe four pods in a loader that Mm -hmm. could be better. But at the end of the day, people don't play paintball to not shoot their guns. You know what I mean? But that's just my opinion. I, I, I like the game the way it is. I don't if you are gonna limit it, I think it needs to be like three or four pods. I think there's there could be more strategy in that, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but two pods in a loader I just don't think it's enough. You you see it in the games that are happening in the millennium now. I don't know how much you've watched, but it's fast and then it stops. Right. Once everybody has that initial first couple exchanges, they get to the bunker, first couple exchanges, and then it's like, whew, shit. Nobody wants to die. Like twenty <clears throat> Paintballs left. I don't. I don't want to do anything here. I can't overfight. I'm going to be out of paintballs. I got to get really close to them. Like, but it, it slows it down. They're like, oh, it'll it'll provoke more action. But at the, at the pro level, maybe at the divisional level, because mm-hmm. people are just like, yeah, fucking run everywhere, you know. But at the pro level, you value your 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 life a lot more than it is just about going down the field. You know what I mean? Like, right. staying alive for your team and being up bodies is is really important at this level. So you don't really see people risking it as much as they talked about it going into it as, as to that being the reason why they wanted to bring it to M500. Like, yeah, it's more financially you know, readily available for everybody if they limit it like that. But the main reason is like, oh, it'll provoke more action. It'll get people to make these big dynamic moves. But really, it's kind of done the opposite. Right. So I, I foresee it going away over there um, for next year. And maybe not completely, but at least made an adjustment to it. Yeah, I I don't really agree. I like the limited I like the limited paint, um, but I don't li- I don't like I don't agree with the M five hundred. I was thinking like M seven fifty or <laughs> yeah. something like that, to yeah, where it's yeah. like three or even three or four pods is perfectly mm-hmm. fine. But when when guys are taking out fourteen pods and you have these tournaments where it's just a bot you know boxed in crossed up. You know, it's it's really the first front guy who can snap shoot uh, the back guy who's just been railing his gun the entire time and can move down the field, wins the game. You know, I I would like to see like I'd say three or four pods. I think that'll be I think that'll be best because I think it's going to really bring out and you've obviously seen it. It's going to bring out the true talent in the player as far as being able to move, being able to shoot, being accurate. Fuck, I've been playing. I feel M five hundred ever since. I started playing because I don't shoot yeah. very much paint, so it's like <laughs> I've been doing that for a while. Yeah, 
I think four pods is a good number because then you can go to your support player and say, hey, you know, I have my four, but I'm going to give you two. So as a front player, you'd be fairly comfortable with two pods and a loader. And now he has six. So he can comfortably do his job as support role. And, and you're not going out there with only a loader then. <laughs> yeah. See, if I was in charge, you wouldn't even be able to move him around. Everybody gets everybody gets set. No, no moving around. Everybody gets a set. Walking on the field, everybody's the same. And Could you drop it starts? Do what? Could you drop him once it starts? I would. You mean just leave him behind and have somebody be able to pick it up and, and use that? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's not like. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, do you consciously think about that? Like, would you play the back to center for a second just so you can drop a couple pods and then move? On certain plays, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. See that? Because you like you could just take a guy, and he doesn't necessarily need to be the one. You could risk your two out to the corner, run him out to the corner. Your one stays and shoots, drops two pods, and then fills underneath. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess even if it was, um, I mean, how would you even regulate that? I mean, it's, it's you can be like, because the only uh, way to do what, it is you just, you can only go out there with your four. You have to, the point has to start with everybody with four pods. After that, if you can swap pod, pods, good on you. Yeah, well, and, and that's what I'm saying is like, I don't think it's really going to be, uh, you can't really regulate that. I mean, because a pod is, what would you call a pod? A pod is like, something that you is not a part of your equipment right so isn't there like a name for that it's like um extension of your body or something like that uh, just something to where it's not like if you leave it it's not you don't have to be that 10 foot rule like you don't have to yeah yeah no that would no rule like that for sure yeah so i don't think you'd be able to regulate it so i think even if there was you got to start with four pods you would definitely just be able to you know drop them if need be but that would also be um dependent on the field layout too yeah 100 you know? percent. it just is all part of the strategy then i think it'd be cool i think it'd be cool to limit it i mean i think it really but two two is way too few uh, two is way too few i'm okay with limiting it just the number needs to be right yeah and you see a lot of people are saying well if you limit it then the paint price is going to go up well it's not everybody's playing this format so you can't you can't just say okay well now cases are going to be a hundred dollars each but then you have divisional teams that are still playing normal style X ball that can carry however much, um, and I, and I think you would just do the change at the pro level. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I think that's smart. If you're gonna make the change, do it at the pro level at least for a full season to see yeah people what people think of it and how it actually affects the game because you're not you're not gonna really have a true idea until you put true pros out there playing it. Because we're the people that are going to blow holes in the plan. We're the guys that are going to exploit it in any way we possibly can to win. We're going to find the flaws. Right. Yeah. So it, it needs to be tested. Um, I think that'd be something to explore in the off season. There's plenty of people that have fields that can bring in, like X-Factor, for example. It doesn't get ter- too terribly cold there. Or we can go somewhere here in Florida where we can – as a league, we should probably fly two teams out and be like, hey, let's test this format and really blow holes in it and make sure that this is what's best for the sport going forward. Yeah. But I don't like that the league doesn't do stuff like that. They're just like, all right, here's a fucking W. Let's see who loses an eye. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't really put, they don't put it through the ringer before they implement it. Um, yeah. So I wish, I wish that would happen. 
Yeah, I've always wanted or always thought, and I think it'd be a good idea to have some kind of like team union kind of a thing to where you have a representative from each team or some kind of team council or whatever the fuck you want to call it. We have that. We have that now, but people are too scared to voice their opinions, I think, is what happens. Put me on that bitch. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I think they call it the, the coaches, uh, the coaches board or whatever. Now, like they have a, a coaches call, to my knowledge, um, where there's one representative from each team. But the problem is that there's um, vested interest in some of them. You know what I mean? Like because of the guys that own have shares in the league right. are also team owners, and they're on that call. Whether they talk or not, they're influencing everybody else in the call. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people are scared to voice their true opinion. So I don't necessarily know what the answer is. Maybe it's tough to say, "Hey, have a have a board without those guys on it." But you can't really do that. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a shitty situation because everything that we're doing is within our own industry. It's not like outside ownership that owns the league. It's owned by players, essentially. Yeah, yeah but. All the players are not under any kind of like contractual agreement. Well, I want to say ninety percent, maybe even higher than that, are not under any kind of. At least for me, dude, I've I've I think I've signed one contract in my entire career, and that was when I played for After or um, Avalanche, and that was it. And that was just to say, hey, you know, we need you to play this many tournaments. You're going to get this this much. You're going to do this, blah blah blah, whatever. But everything yeah. else was ver- everything else has been verbal. That's how it was for me up until this year. This year is the first time I had a written contract. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, when do we do we not have? Like we we say that the players kind of have some kind of control over the league, but it's like we don't have a say because yeah, yeah, we don't have a say on anything because we are just the players and we need to just play and that's it. We don't have an opinion on anything, but we're the ones that are testing out your you know philosophies and your ideas on the field and if it doesn't work exactly and if it doesn't work then we're the ones that now have to adjust to the new idea that you have or or whatever it is and you know i'm not i'm not hating on it that's what paintball is right you you try things and it what i was saying is it needs just to be tested if we just take time to just test it out ahead of time then we as players don't have to get frustrated because we've spent the time to blow holes in it and make the adjustments that we need to make going into the season. Like yeah. it's a professional league. If we're going to be the so-called professional league, let's be professional about it and not have to make rule adjustments halfway through the season. Right. Right. Yeah, and that I I think I think if we were to do some kind of limited paint, I think it should be next year and I think it should at least be for a year because I mean Millennium has tried it. I mean, how many other things have we tried for a year or even half a year and so they're trying it, but it's failing. They're losing teams like crazy over there. I don't know if you're aware, but the, just the, the team count in general is down drastically year over year for them. Um, so I don't know if it's directly correlated to, to the new format or what, but if you look at their participation year over year, they're down big time. Really? Yeah. So again, goes back to saying, I don't know if we should just go ahead and do it. We need to try it first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. Fuck, paintball's paintball, man. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's not like any of the divisional teams would be trying anything new. We could keep that format the same. If anything, it's yeah. It's if grown. we did that, that would be different. But they implemented it across the board, right? Oh, okay. So, so everybody over there is playing that. 
And I think that's probably why. That might be the issue. I mean, lower divisional guys, they don't have the best shot. That's why they're a lower divisional guy. You limit them to 250 paintballs, that stops becoming fun for somebody that's not a very good shot. And that's when you sack up and you learn how to shoot a target. <laughs> or run. <laughs> or run really far. You either need to l- learn how to run fast or shoot really accurate. Uh, but I think that, <laughs> like, thinking about it, um, and I don't know how, how you came up, but, um, you know, there's there's two different things. I think there's two different players, right? You have a player that is has accuracy by volume, and then you mm-hmm. have the player that's just plain out accurate. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I, I see the two kinds all the time. But I, I feel like ever since the ramping has come into play, uh, I think the accuracy by volume in the in the lower divisions has kind of taken over. Do you think that has affected a way you know the way the players are coming up now and how their their skills yeah, I, are growing? I mean, I think it, I think it'll start to trend back in the right direction now that we've gone away from coaching, but. You're going to have that bubble in the time period that there was the coaching, and that's when I came up. But luckily, I came up playing seven-man, so I yeah. I had to think for myself. You know what I mean? Exactly. But there's so many young players that are in my same generation that didn't play seven-man or didn't have the opportunity to play seven-man, and they only had dealt with being joystick down the field by a sideline coach. They never had to think for themselves. A lot of them got high into the ranks. Shit, so there's some, there were some pros that you saw have an immediate – negative effect once the coaching went away because they're just joysticks you could be a good athlete and make it in the pro division back when there was coaching yeah and it's not their fault i mean it's how they grew up they're just playing the game that they know how to play that's how they came up but that hurt the talent level so now that's exactly what you're seeing at the divisional level now more accuracy by volume guys are just less skillful in general and you see it in the Division Two that I played back in 2007, or I'm sorry, the beginning of 2008, was hard as fuck. Like that division was tough. Yeah. The teams that were at the top of that division then, like I only podium. It wasn't like I was playing D2 and just. I mean, I was smoking fools down, but I weren't winning every tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it it was just it was way harder back then. I think the top teams from D2 then would be playing semi pro now for sure. And and just in the way the skill level is in the divisions, it, it's totally different how it's tiered nowadays. And I think it's all because of that, because of that, the coaching that just it it f- didn't allow players to be creative for themselves and think for themselves in the field. Yeah, that was that was tough. I mean, I I absolutely think that coaching is one of the you know not, I wouldn't say a downfall to the sport, but just a kind of a something I like talking about because I feel. Like that was the whole thing of how, when paintball started and everything. You communicated with each other on the field. There was no outside influence at all. Right. And as soon as that coaching came around, it just I I hated it. Like even even at um, practices, I tried as much as I could to tell. Like, dude, I was like, let's play without coaching. Let's mm-hmm. play without coaching, man. Let it let it be an advantage when it does come around. You know, because right. all I used it as uh, was okay. Well, I hear the spots and I hear the G count, whatever. So that's good. But don't don't tell me when to go. Like I don't tell me what to don't, do. Don't tell me when to go. <laughs> I know when to go. That's that's. 
and, and you know kids growing up in that era that's like they never got that that gut feeling of when to go or or yeah. controlling and then and then moving they're always and waiting that's everything now everything. Your instincts. yeah yeah that your instincts and your ability to control the situation and and just move on a whim whenever you need to when it when you know you need to yeah that's one of the things that I get talking about when I'm when I'm coaching kids now um, and how happy I get when people are making mistakes going forward because you just you don't you can't teach that right the instinct to go forward put a guy in and go put a guy in and go put a guy in and go that's yeah. rare nowadays which that's how you played paintball when I was growing up you know yeah. what I mean that was how how it was you put your dude in you fucking go you go to the, you put your dude in go to the next spot shoot mm -hmm. across the field get a free kill and that just seems to have kind of dissipated, um, and it's frustrating. But it it is refreshing when you get to see those players nowadays. And I tell that to my wife all the time because she's always going forward. And like, yes, like you can't teach that, so it makes me happy. But you don't see that. Shout out to all the female paintball players out there. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> she's over here. She's playing uh, with Destiny in Chicago. Nice. She'll be out there representing. Kill it. Yeah, get to shoot up all the guys. <laughs> That's one of the most fun things I get to enjoy now in paintball is watching my wife shoot dudes and watch them get so frustrated. It's great. It's great. <laughs> I'm just smiling ear to ear in my goggles. <laughs> well, it's cool too because you guys have something that is very, you know, I don't know how deep in it that she, that she is, but I know I see her taking pictures every once in a while, but uh, and I see her playing, um, but... I know it's something you are very passionate about and to be able to have that significant other, um, you know, feel that same way or be able to discuss things and, and have it be kind of a level playing field. And yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, it's definitely special and something that not many, you don't really see many couples get to get to do that in, in life, let alone paintball, you know yeah. what I mean? So. It, we're, we're blessed to be able to do that. And I actually met her through paintball. So she was passionate about it. And I was passionate about it separately, and then we came together, and it's now only you're made so passionate about it. Super passionate, <laughs> <laughs> but no, now she works at GI as well, so that's why you awesome. see her out there doing photos. So she does all her social media, um, photo, video, all the all the posts and everything. She she handles all that, so it's cool. We get to go into the office together in the morning. Um, makes things easy for us. Yeah, so. definitely tell her to look for number nineteen on AfterShock if they need any pictures or anything like that. Like that, I heard that I, guys. I, pretty good <laughs> um but what, kind of what we were talking about a little bit before of um moving down the field and what i tell kids now too is like you don't have to you don't have to shoot everybody you don't have to be the the superstar you know you can shoot one guy or whatever but even if you just make a 50 and turn those guns you right. are, you're doing your job you're hands down doing your job and if you can you know have an assist on that where you right. can be in a spot and that back guy or that guy turns his gun and then your back guy shoots that guy's loader that should be considered an assist on the stats just saying Agreed. front guys doing their job even if they're just staying alive but <laughs> um but that's another <laughs> one of those <laughs> yeah yeah uh that's another one of those uh many small variables but big impacts on the game Huge, um, yeah. yeah, that that not a lot of people talk about, but um, 
and same for the back guys to put themselves in the position to get those assisted kills. Exactly. You see so many times that the front guy is just off on an island by himself, and if the back guy just gets himself involved in the game for three seconds, he can shoot the front of that guy's goggles or the front of that guy's loader. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we, one word we use a lot on our team is being proactive, and no matter what you're doing, well, even for the wall guys, like we, we feel if our wall guy is more proactive, we're going to win the battle up there more times than not. Versus being stagnant and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Be proactive and no matter what you're doing, even as a back player, how can you be helping your guy at all times? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not only there to keep them out of the out of the snake or out of the Dorito or, or out of the center, whatever your position may be, mm-hmm. but you're to to help the dude in front of you. So how can you be proactive and do that? And you don't see that a lot at, at the lower divisional level. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I'm I'm normally the the furthest guy down the field on mm-hmm. uh, on our team. But whenever I see look over and I see a guy in like if I see LJ in the Dorito 50 or I see uh dart in the center kind of going to work that kind of yeah. gets my blood going I'm like yeah, yeah. let's let's get out there yeah. let's go after this <laughs> yeah absolutely um I think we were on your transition <laughs> like a while back I, but um yeah. I want to get to it but I think we were on your transition from Chicago aftershock to infamous um so it all happened um right after we won with Chicago legend in seven man. Mm-hmm. So that was that same 2011 year when I said it all kind of started getting put together on the aftershock and at the end of 2010, then we go into 2011, we had that three and one event and didn't make it in the NEO. That's frustrating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're feeling good. We're like, all right, we're right there. Right. Um, so we kind of Damien and I took that into the seven man in DC and we won that event as Chicago legend. And everybody was just like, Chicago who? Yeah. Like, nobody's like, who the fuck is Chicago legend? <laughs> just won a pro tournament. And that was actually my first pro win ever. Yeah. Um, so we were obviously fucking stoked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was a huge shocker to, I think, the whole, at least the whole pro paintball circuit. Mm-hmm. For all of the guys that, like you said, we're all friends now. We all play each other on, on a day in, week out basis and to see chicago legend when people were like what just happened yeah you know what I mean? so it was a big wake-up call um and todd was actually commentating in in the webcast or whatever the whole event so he got to watch the entire thing and saw just the work that damien and i were putting in yeah shooting i mean i was probably shooting three or four people a game that tournament it was insane we were just it was one of those fields it was one of the ones with two snakes Mm-hmm. So I could play either side. It was just feasting. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. It was one of those events that everything is just clicking. You know what I mean? Your mm-hmm. shots, on, you're hitting people on the break. You're snapping, you're snapping people out. You're making your spots. You're you're getting bounces. You're, everything is just kind of going your way. You it's know what I mean? Fluid. Yeah. Um, so it all came together. We ended up winning. Um, it actually came down to a one-on-one with Damien and J-Rab, and Damien beat him in the one-on-one to win the tournament oh, for us. Nice. <laughs> Jeez. So we won that, and almost immediately, like I don't even think we had gotten home yet from that event, and uh, we got the call from Todd, and he asked us to make the jump from Aftershock to Infamous. So that, I mean, for us, Aftershock was like always the team we looked up to and everything, but we didn't really see it as like the easiest team for us to to accomplish the goals that we wanted to achieve. Um, mm-hmm. 
we hadn't won at, at that level. He'd won in the semi-pro level with R&T and everything, but hadn't really done it at, at the top level. So yeah. Infamous was, at the time, you know, a top, top-tier top team in the league. We were, like, we were able to jump on and play with legends. Like, we got, we went and played World Cup, so that was the last event of the year, and it ended up being the last event that um, John Richardson and Rusty Glaze ever played. So we got to play, and I know you got, you got to play with those guys as well. Yeah. Yeah, dudes. Um, but that was really cool to be able to say I got to play the, their last tournament ever. I was actually just up in Canada at the OPL a few weeks back, hanging out with Rusty, and we were reminiscing about nice. that. Nice, nice. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was the big jump. Um, and the shock dudes were definitely, you know, not not happy with it because we had put together that really good event in, mm. in the East Open. Um, felt we had something going there, and then we left, and Damian and I were part of that core of the team that did so well in the Northeast open for shock. So were you, I mean, were you pretty much set? Like, did you, were you, was your decision made or did Damien kind of sway you a little bit or? No, I, I mean, I was pretty, pretty set in my decision. It was an opportunity that I hadn't been presented with before. I'd been on aftershock now for three years and I was ready to make that next jump. You know what I mean? Find that progress. Yeah. Yeah something new right and I think the biggest thing for me was Todd and and being able to be coached by Todd because that was I mean we always had Psalm and we had Bruno but Todd is at least in my mind just on another level um to, to the majority of all these other coaches in the pro mm-hmm. division um that in itself I'll never forget that experience uh being coached by Todd for sure yeah uh, that got us our first or my first pro expo win yeah, he definitely has a unique uh, look at the game. I mean, he was a great player and and has been involved in the sport for so long. And now him coaching Ironmen and also commentating and watching, he's just seeing so much paintball that. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's insane. So, how long were you on Infamous for? What was it like five years? It's crazy how fast that time flew. Um, from the end of 2011 until the end of 2016 yeah what was uh what was this transition like over to ac or how how did that uh how did that come about so um i mean it was rough that was definitely the hardest transition i've made um like yeah i was super close with the aftershock guys when i left but i grew closer to the infamous guys than i have with any other team that i've been on Mm -hmm. like they're in our wedding um they're our family pretty much. So that was definitely a really hard transition, especially the way it went down um, with the whole the whole sponsor thing. It was it was right in the middle of the the GI and acquiring key. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that affected us greatly because a lot of us worked for key. Um, myself, Damien, Callie, and Travis at the time were all working for key when that was going down. Um, and it just so happened that they wanted me to move down to Florida and and further progress my job. Um, and, and those three chose to, to go elsewhere. Um, I just I, I don't really feel comfortable touching on their decisions, but yeah, um, they went their their direction and I went mine to to further progress my career in in paintball. You know what I mean? Because it's a future, um, and it was a really good opportunity that I I couldn't really pass up. Um, 
so Travis then went and got a job at Falcon and Travis owns infamous. So he needed to do what he needed to do to make sure that the team would continue on because that's obviously the last thing he would want is for the team to go under. So he did what he had to do to secure a job for his family to provide for his family as well as a home for the team. So going into world cup, um, of last year, we knew the situation going in. So that's part of what made it so hard. Like everybody knew that that was my last tournament with the team, like before the tournament even started. Really? So that itself made it super emotional as it was. Um, and then with all the work drama and everything as well, it was just a lot going on in that time period. Not to mention we got married in November too. So <laughs> it was everything happening at once. Um, yeah. But basically, they, Travis took the team that direction, and I then had to be on a GI team, Empire GI team. Um, and I chose to go with the AC Dallas guys uh, because they, I feel, had the most upside. Like, I could have gone to a couple different teams that I don't really need to get into, but I chose the AC guys because of, A, the coach, and B, the, the guys themselves um, and the opportunity that, I think that they have to go out and be a really successful team and that they came from the ground up. You know what I mean? Like they were VCK and they played through the divisional ranks and earned their pro spots the hard way. Um, Did you contact them? I'm sorry? Did you contact them? No, no, no. Uh, They actually reached out to me. So, well, I guess it was, it was almost a mutual, mutual thing because uh, work wanted me there as well. So it made sense because with Infamous leaving, they wanted to slot somebody else in as the Empire Factory team, um, and it made sense for those guys to do it out of the Texas market and try to push the Empire brand down in the Texas market. So the company kind of helped connect the dots, um, nice. and it, it worked out that Greg and I are now sales partners, so him and I are able to work together and then work together on the field as well. Um, he brought me in and, and really has a ton of respect for what I've done as a player and where I'm at as a player mentally. Um, and, and really brings me into a lot of the coaching decisions and stuff, which I really like. Um, and him and I just gel really well together. Um, so that works. And the fact that none of the guys on the team have any egos or or anything like that, like they all just want to win, Like they want to win more than I've ever been around. Those guys play so much paintball. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it shows, man. It shows those guys. You know, every tournament that I can remember them being in, they're just always on point, always on point, and just always competing at every single event. And you know, whenever I play them, it's it's we either lose to them or we win, but it's only by a couple points. So it's it's a really good atmosphere to to come into. It makes it really easy to transition into that into that team with the system that Greg has and the way that the team trusts in the system. Um, there's very little to no drama at all, which is night and day for me coming from infamous and aftershock to one of the most emotionally volatile teams in the history of the sport. Um, in terms of, you know, riding the highs and riding the lows and and the worst and best ways respectfully. But, um, it's a much more level headed team. It's a much more calculated team. Um, as far as uh, the way the that Greg Greg's system works, um, but it's it's really cool to be a part of, and I enjoy that I get to 
go in and just be the one and just be a scud missile and go and just do damage because it's been a while since I got to do that. But I got I did that on last year with Infamous, but that was kind of the first time since Mouse since Mouse left because I when Mouse was on the team I transitioned back to play the two, so we'd kind of have that one two punch together, which worked out really well. And I feel that year made me a much much better paintball player because mm-hmm. I saw the game from a whole different perspective and it slowed down for me. You know what I mean? Similar to like we talked about how the twos need to be proactive and now that I've I've played an entire season and then some as the two behind one of the best ones that there is in the game, yeah. game really slowed down for me now transitioning back into a one. Um, it just it makes things a lot easier. So I feel I had a really good year last year with Infamous and obviously the the guys already see thought so as well and as that's what they wanted me to do for them is go attack that Dorito side, which I feel I did pretty well in Vegas when we got third and then yeah. the whole injury thing. But Yeah, man, dude, it's you're one of those players that I think uh that teams and players on the field tend to sleep on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're one of the most underrated players, you know, not to blow up your head or anything like that, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, coming from just myself, uh, do I think you're one of the most underrated players? Uh, I remember playing against you. I forget what tournament it was, but you were just fucking shooting the shit out of me and I could not figure out what the hell to do to, uh, to get over to you. But I, I think your style of play and your, you know your intelligence on the field is uh, is very underrated, and uh, I tip my hat, sir. I, Thank you. I, I enjoy playing against you. That, that's for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I've, I myself have felt underrated because obviously we all think that we're awesome out there, but I think that's part of it, right? You have to have some level of confidence to play at the top level, because um, if you don't, the guys that do are just going to walk all over you out there. So. Yeah. I think that definitely is something to to know as a young player coming up. Like, you can't go out there timid. You know what I mean? You got to go out there and take it from guys. They're not going to give it to you. So, yeah, yeah. There's a fine line between confidence and cockiness. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, and you know who? I mean, everybody rides that line. But you have to. You, yeah. If you if you don't, if you don't, you're always going to be questioning yourself. You're always going to be hesitating to do that move. Um, you're always going to kick yourself if you don't make that shot, but everybody's going to make mistakes. But if you don't believe in yourself enough that you know that you're not going to make those mistakes all the time, then you're never going to make it. Learn. Yeah. Yeah. So how is, uh, how is your knee doing? It's good. It's really good. Um, I've been off the crutches now for a little over three weeks. Uh, we got bikes, so I've been biking almost every day. Um, feels really good. No swelling, no soreness. Uh, got out there for the first time this past weekend with a gun in my hands. Um, got to do some gunfighting, some running and gunning. Um, did pretty much full speed lateral movement back and forth, transitioning weight um, with no issues at all. Uh, I was pretty skeptical just because you know it's the first time I'd really been back out there at all. Yeah. So wanting to take it slow, um, especially with having previous knee injuries in the same knee. Um, so I definitely didn't want to rush anything. Um, especially down here in Florida, you know how the fields are down here. It's all just sand and it, it, uh, it's just yeah. not pretty. <laughs> so yeah. not, um, you know, 
filling out somewhere crazy because you know how it is. It's so hard to go out there and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to play the back center. I'm just going to hang out. It doesn't happen. (laughs) All right, I'm filling out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that that doesn't happen because your instincts start kicking in and your your 20-year-old self starts kicking in and you're like, I'm not fucking doing this. I'm I'm going to a corner. I'm going to the snake, something like that. Uh, Well, I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad your knee's healing up. I cannot wait to see you back there on the field so we can battle it out again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I really appreciate you sitting down and talking to me, man. Absolutely, man. Always take the time for you. Sweet. I appreciate it. And, um, dude, good luck in all your travels, and we will see you soon. Yes, sir. See you in a few weeks. For sure, bud. Take care. You too. See you. See ya. Later. Thank you so much, Brad, for sitting down and uh, and chatting, it was really great talking to you. I, you know, I, I didn't really know too much about Brad. I played against him for years, and uh, he's another one of those guys that I just didn't. Uh, that is, hey, how you doing? I can you know shoot the shit with for a few minutes before we uh, before we go play, and then you know, right back to not seeing them again until Saturday or Sunday, and then four or five months after that until the next event or whatever. <laughs> So, but it was cool. I mean, I've always respected him a ton, and um, I mean, it would be great to see him back in a uh, in an aftershock jersey. But um, it is what it is, man. Life takes you in all kinds of different directions, and uh, and he seems to be on the right one. That's for sure. Uh, really representing GI and really all the companies that he's ever worked for. He's really been a uh, you know a really stand-up guy and and somebody that all the kids should look up to for sure. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in again, a big thank you to our sponsors, Dr. Paintball. You can find them at drpaintball.com. And, uh, like I said, they're doing an M2 giveaway. Uh, there might be some other goodies in there. I'm not sure, but I know they are giving away an M2. And if you head over to their, uh, their website, drpaintball.com, they will have direction on where to go to sign up for that giveaway. So thank you, Dr. Paintball. Also thank you to Charm City Paintball where he has headbands out the bunghole. You can find him at Charm City Paintball on Facebook. So check him out. Thank you to Charm City. Uh, Also to Carbon Paintball. Look for the CC line coming out. It will be out very, very, very soon. Um, I think we might have a few things in Chicago, but but I'm not 100%. But I know that we'll have our SC line there and we'll have all kinds of goodies at the uh, at the carbon booth so thank you to carbon and lastly thank you to planet eclipse for uh supplying myself with you know the best markers on the planet pun intended uh you know year after year it's uh it's the best markers man i i I can't say it enough um thank you to planet eclipse and uh again thank you to all of you guys out there all the listeners i really really do appreciate it Week in and week out, you guys come through on, uh, on you know, with the constant feedback on, you know, hey, man, you're doing a great job. Uh, I love this. You should, you should interview this guy, interview that guy. I, I love it. I love all of the uh, communication going on. So thank you guys so much. And um, if you are looking for me on social media, I'm on Facebook on uh, Carl Mark- Microwave Markowski or the Playing On Podcast. And the same thing on uh, on Instagram, it is the Playing On Podcast, or myself, C. Mark Kizzle. Find me over there. Shoot me a message. Shoot me a 
a DM, and uh, we can chit-chat. So thank you guys again so much for, uh, for tuning in, and we will see you again next time here on the Playing On Podcast. Peace!